0: Those look so good on me. I think I yeah. should be a professional model. What's your most toxic trans thought? Because mine is definitely, if I had transitioned when I was 17 or 18, I think I could have been a professional model.
1: I mean, not counting, like, obviously jealousy and resentment. Uh, I guess my, like, <laughs> most toxic trans thought would probably be... No, I'm not getting anything, P. I'm too good of a person. I, I, you know, the You're thing so is, You're so sure. The thing is, i I'm a real, like, I'm a trans elder now, and I have a certain responsibility. To... Okay, I've got it. I think I think uh, Caitlyn Jenner's ugly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think that's so toxic, though. I think that's just an opinion. She's ugly. In that also, kind yeah, of, you were uh,
1: twits way. You, you know? were going
0: on on Twitter recently about how uh, someone called you a trans elder recently. Who who had the gall? Who had the temerity to do that?
1: so recently when I went to GAY in Soho after a slightly sort of like messy night and that was like the literally the last place that we could find that was open I've never been in there before actually I've never been to GAY Soho um we kind of bumped into these young gays two very nice young queers uh I, one of them you know like loved well they're both really lovely but one of them was like non-binary and like I think that like, to me, or to them rather, I seemed like a... like a fucking granny. <laughs> um, no, no, they were really nice, but they did say to me that, uh... they did call me like a trans elder. <laughs> I can't ca- wait for like... And then they cackled in a bitchy I can't way. wait
0: for sort of like 40 or 50 years time though, when there are just a bunch of like Visibly openly trans old people.
1: Like, what's that gonna look like? It's gonna be a fucking nightmare. Us down the bingo. Oh god, can you imagine?
0: We're grumpy enough as it yeah. is. Yeah. It's all that keeps me going—the thought of me and you
1: down the bingo. It wouldn't be bingo. It would. It would be like. Well, it would be bingo, Digi but they bingo. would be playing. It would, it would be bingo but they would be playing charlie xcx and sophie yeah
0: all the classics from back in our day and maybe some nice trans mask would ask you up for a dance <laughs> and i'll turn them down <laughs> yeah you would you would say sorry dicks only please <laughs> <laughs> let's all go to the lobby Get ourselves a tree. Hey, piss pigs, welcome to the Trans Lobby. But I'm going to start again because you did a little burp under that. I did not do a burp. You did something that sounded like a burp, where you were just trying to undermine me in some way. You were going, like, meh.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm going to be really quiet. Go.
0: Hey, piss pigs, welcome to the Trans Lobby podcast. I'm P. And
1: I'm P. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm Jan.
0: This week we wanted to get to know our little piss pigs a little bit better So we dipped into the mailbox We reached out to the Discord We're going to answer some of your questions
1: What do you mean? So you're saying that, wait We wanted to know them a little bit better So we got them to ask us questions about ourselves <laughs> We're
0: really self-centered <laughs> yeah. the only way we can, It's the only perspective we can possibly
1: get on a relationship Is from our point of view it's like being on a date and being like, hmm, so listen to me talk about myself a little bit more, please. <laughs> this is what I'm into.
0: Look, we're all getting to know each other better. We're getting an insight into how they view us. And they're getting an insight into how we
1: answer their questions. Right, okay. I'm fine with it, you know. I'm fine with it. It's just nice to it's nice I'm... to be asked questions, isn't it? It's like always fun. It's like being interviewed. So, P, what's been going on with you? Literally nothing. The heat wave, the great
0: heat wave of 2021 rages on, though it seems to have subsided slightly this evening. I don't want to jinx anything, but fingers crossed for heavy rain and temperatures in the low to mid-teens, please. But I've just been sitting around filling out uh, bursary applications all week. In the sweltering heat, and nothing makes you feel like a drained bit of spinach more than having all of your artistic achievements laid out in front of you for someone to judge while it's also unbearably hot. Hey, Jen! This mm-hmm. week, we're reaching into the assigned email at birth bag, we're reaching out to the piss pig pen on Discord, and we're answering some fan questions. Should wow. we kick things off?
1: so exciting, I can't believe it I can't believe people actually listened to us for once And actually sent us some questions, P Every week you've been like Send us an email, please I, My life depends on it And no one has And for this week, you did it You got it, you got there I got so many messages
0: So many that I don't <laughs> think we're going to have time to get through them all But maybe in future episodes we'll come back to a few of them all right don't push that's it it's called, cum- called bread that's called breadcrumbing, John. Jen you said bread coming just then. <laughs> look I said bread coming and it was hilarious and we all had a real good <laughs> laugh but you want to get into the first proper question of the
1: yeah you did say it though okay um so the first question is and this one's for you P <laughs> well it's for both of us but I'm asking you what are your most hated tropes around trans representation in film? I guess we've already covered it on the
0: pod, but it bears repeating that the, the dick reveal is just bizarre. I mean, it's really just media's obsession with trans women's dicks in general. Like, even the films that don't have a problematic dick reveal at their centre, there will be a way of addressing whether or not the woman has a penis, that it might be the thrust of the entire narrative whether she is going to have surgery to remove said penis. And I just think we're in 2021 and I want to say out loud, I am more than just a dick. What do you think, well, Jen?
1: Well, do you know what is another issue with the whole penis reveal thing is that, like, they're never even good dicks. They're always like lame dicks right
0: what you want like a real fucking like raging veiny
1: hard on <laughs> no not necessarily but maybe like a one maybe like a nice looking one <laughs> or but anyway is this um, you volunteering yourself no not even slightly <laughs> i tell you what my most hated trope is p and this isn't to undermine your most hated trope or anything but the one that i kind of am not that keen on Is when we're constantly portrayed as uh, sex perverts or serial killers. That's I'm not really fond of that. I'm also not too keen on um, like, trans women always being dead in in a film or ending with us dying. It's not great, is it? Yeah, I think
0: yeah. The general sort of like anything that casts us as being somehow seedy or somehow like outside of normality, something that dehumanizes us in a kind of like villainous guys
1: yeah like you never just see us like working in sainsbury's right
0: no i mean that sounds like a fucking killer movie i think you should get on to mike lee with that i think mike lee would love to make a movie with you about a trans woman who works in sainsbury's but we let's let's flesh out this pitch a bit what what else would what what else would be your little like um
1: No, it would be in this Mike Lee film. I'll tell you, it would be about a trans woman who works in uh, M&S upstairs, and it'd be called Abigail's Panties. (laughs) That sounds great. Or like Tucked Nuts
0: in May. That's another one. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's a good one. Um, Tranny Go Lucky.
0: (laughs) And let's stop that bit right there. (laughs) Who would you cast to play yourself? in a biopic i would like and jen knows who i'm gonna say i would like to be played by the supermodel come actor harry neff because i think she is pretty much the only caucasian woman roughly my age who is an actor at, at, at that level and we both have you know fine bone structure and i look at a lot of photos of her for inspiration which is probably not a very healthy thing to do to look at one of the most professionally beautiful women of the moment. But, uh, yeah, I'm saying Harry Neff would make a great P. Danine. She'd have to put on maybe, like, an extra foot in height.
1: All right, I'm going to go for Billie Eilish, then.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, we're going to be played by Billie Eilish and Harry Neff in the not, it's film It's Irish, not Irish. I had Irish on the head because I was wondering if Harry Neff could do an <laughs> Irish accent i'm gonna bet no
1: well we'll see when we got this film greenlit won't we no shade to harry Neff, but as i've said before you know i think she's got the look but maybe a few more acting classes neph if you're listening <laughs> email and join the discord signed off start a feud with jen look she's already got beauty on her side like just give us something
0: and that's why she'd make such a great tea, Janine, in a biopic. Oh my god, Jen, thanks
1: for the compliment. Okay. Hey, P. I've got a question for you. Oh, for me? Wow. Go for And, it. Then, and then me as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer it too, but what's it like being a trans woman working in your profession? So, working in theatre
0: in Ireland as a trans woman is interesting.
1: I feel like for a
0: while I was knocking on a lot of doors and getting a lot of polite no's, and it got me in my head because on the one hand I was an early career stage theatre maker and everyone deals with rejection on the other hand I was pitching a lot of transcentric ideas and part of me thought do you not see that representation and diversity are important particularly in in the arts in Ireland in general it's a problem and particularly in Irish theatre certainly within institutions and established companies what really began to annoy me is a lot of companies presumably to justify some sort of funding would specifically say in call outs that they're particularly interested in hearing from people from minority backgrounds and then would give the example of transgender people and then i'd apply for it get rejected which is fine and then weeks later you'd see who did get that and it would inevitably be a cis straight white person and I think thankfully under the pandemic a lot of institutions have kind of thought how they approach accessibility and diversity and I think we're getting to a point now where there's sort of a new generation coming through where even in those big institutions there are really sincere well-meaning individuals working to restructure things from the inside. I'm only at a point in my career now Like, I should, I should say, I've been very lucky, like, I've always had a lot of support from certain festival bodies and certain more experienced artists who gave me a lot of great advice, but I'm only at a point now where I'm developing my first plays with, you know, really well established professional companies and really highly regarded directors, and I'm very thankful for that, so I guess... Part of me thinks maybe it's because I just had to go on that journey and grow as an artist and find my voice, but another part of me thinks I'm thirty years old and I'm not getting any younger over here, and you're kind of already at a societal disadvantage with the situation I'm in. So maybe throw a girl like be a bone once in a while is all I'm saying.
1: You'd think in the theater p where it's like the gayest place around you think there'd be more spaces for the likes of you.
0: Well, you say that, but the gays in question were all cis, white, male gays. The establishments were still built by men with male egos and male tendencies i mean there was a big movement in irish theater called waking the feminists a few years ago that helped to turn the tide slightly when it came to female representation and women's voices finally being heard on a national level but i mean that was only what five or six years ago i think so i think it's going to take a while before you see a trans written play on the national stage for example but we're gradually getting there
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: And how but... do you feel being a professional comedian working in the UK, or as I like to satirically refer to it, Turf Island?
1: <laughs> it's one of mine, you can use that. You <laughs> well, use that for you. free, it's mine. Comedy's a weird one, right? Because comedy's like, like, it's a job, and like you get paid for it and stuff, but also, it's kind of not, you know, you, you drink a lot, and you joke around a lot I feel like from a trans perspective uh comedy's kind of fucking annoying really in in that regard um one of the most frustrating things about being trans on the comedy scene is just that there aren't many trans comedians at all and you know there's like a handful of us and I know pretty much all of them or any that are at like a similar level you know um And because there's so few of us, it's like when (laughs) there's one on a bill, you know, it's very rare that there'll be another one on a bill. I just wish there was more of us so it was more normalised and there was less tokenism attached to it. Also, you know, like everybody, like there's so many comedians who have their take on the quote-unquote trans issue, right? Right. And I feel like I'm over here, like, actually giving, like, a nuanced and, I would like to think, funny and kind of a take on it. And then you've got some mm-hmm. fucking slack-jawed doofus over here, like, talking about how, you, you know, what if he wants to be an attack helicopter? And you think, like, oh, come on, like, really? You know? So that's my kind of issue with the comedy scene. But that being said... Um, there's a lot of people in the scene who are on my side and help me out and uh, I've had a lot of nice opportunities recently so it's going all right yeah it's going all right P. I think it's interesting from my point of view looking at comedy as
0: an industry because kind of you know when you're a comedian naturally sort of flippancy is part of the gig you know you're not meant to be overly sincere or earnest about things but when you come from an underrepresented minority and you want your take to be heard even if your take is offered in the form of jokes sometimes it's hard to get that through i would imagine when people don't necessarily want to engage with what's unfamiliar with them, to them. well the
1: thing is p is like i'm not uh, an overly sincere person or anything like that and a lot of my don't comedy, i know it yeah and my comedy isn't um sincere or whatever like that i think the issue comes from I'll t- i'll tell you what i think is the most frustrating thing for me personally in comedy as a trans woman because that's what the question was is that i can't help but feel that there are a hundred different assumptions being made about me at any one time about you know before I go up on stage I feel like there are assumptions about what kind of act I'm going to be what I'm going to say you know how I feel about certain things if I'm overly sensitive like do you know what I mean so like when when I don't when I I don't fit into those assumptions then people do a complete 180 and they assume that I'm actually this like like, like too far the other way, you know, and I'm not really, I'm just like actually a normal person. But I don't know, I just, I just constantly, maybe it's just a chip on my own shoulder, but I constantly feel like I feel a little bit like people sometimes before they know me have low expectations of what I'm going to be like, or if I'm going to be good or whatever, Like, you know what I mean? And then when I am good, they're like, surprised about it. Oh, I don't know, Pete. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I feel like people sleep. I on I do know me a what you're bit. trying
0: to say. No, totally, totally. That people kind of sleep on you because you're trans. I mean, fundamentally,
1: I also think yeah, they have low expectations like, of me for some reason.
0: I would imagine that, like, in certain comedic settings, like if say you're just doing like a five-minute triad spot at a club or something, there's that sense that you want your first joke when you get on stage, not just to be funny. But to kind of inform who you are to the audience so that it then the rest of your act is all coming from that same perspective and the audience know who you are and know what you know what perspective you're coming from. And if you're a trans person and they have maybe all these preconceptions or maybe they've never even spoken to a trans person before in their life, it's really hard to know how to second guess that and how to subvert it in the right way.
1: Well, look, it's it's that same thing that. You know, it's like when you're trans and someone comes up to you and goes says something like, Oh, like you're you know, you're you're actually like pretty for a tra- for a trans woman or something like that. It's that similar sort of like backhanded compliment sort of thing. So Yeah, it's definitely there there is I'm not gonna lie, there's definitely an element of it that is an uphill battle. Like sometimes I feel like I'm dunno, like wading through shit sometimes. But I just I just wish there was more of us, to be honest with you. I wish more people would Enter into the, into the comedy sphere. Are you inviting me to be in a double act with you? Is that, is that what this no, is about? No, you've misread that totally, Pete. I wasn't doing that.
0: <laughs> oh, no, sorry. I was joking. Sorry, let's move on <laughs> to the next question. <laughs> so this one comes from my brother, John Deneen, friend of the park, via email. And he has a question for each of us. So oh he asks me... He asks me, when we were younger, you, Pete, used to be terrified of the film The Matrix. <laughs> the Wachowskis now say the film is an allegory for being transgender. Do you think that was related to your fear or just a complete coincidence?
1: I think it's now, because you're a little This is wuss. interesting.
0: It, firstly, I was a little wuss. I was a very sensitive child. I would also add that this was shown to us by a babysitter when I was maybe eight, so I don't think it was wholly appropriate. Oh come to begin on, like. you were old And
1: for it at eight is the matrix. I,
0: but I would fortify this point by saying the other film that was shown to us too young by a babysitter that I was famously terrified of was Silence of the Lambs. Oh come so on. So maybe John maybe John's onto something here. But the two films that I was and they are really the only two films that terrified me as a child. Please, Silence of the Lambs In one is... way or
1: another, trans-related. Come on. Silence of the Lands is, is not even a horror film. It's a psychological thrill. Give me a break. When you are an
0: eight-year-old struggling with gender identity, forced to attend an all-boys school, and suddenly
1: you're presented with Buffalo Bill. I mean... Can you think of anything scarier than that, Jen Ives? Do you know what I was shown at that age, P? I was shown the Blair Witch Project. What, like an actual snuff film? What? Yeah. (laughs) And I was shown Evil Dead 2, P.
0: Yeah, but Evil Dead 2 is fun and it's campy. Are you joking? I watch other stuff. No, I'm not joking. It's gory, though. I can deal with gore. The reason The Matrix freaked me out was it was more to do with that idea that reality as you perceive it is not actually reality as a little catholic child being raised in a very safe middle-class bubble that idea of your perception of being reality suddenly being shattered really freaked me out and made me feel very unsettled
1: and P got red-pilled at eight years old i did i was the first person to be red-pilled but i'm not sure about the matrix because like you know with the wachowskis like i just I feel like they're doing, like, that revisionist history thing where they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, there's got to be a bit of that, right? Like, oh, yeah. The Matrix is... Da- it's- it was supposed to be a trans allegory the whole time. It wasn't just nonsense. <laughs> like, no, like... <laughs> don't you see <laughs> yeah it wasn't just incomprehensible
0: <laughs> bullshit with some really cool special effects what yeah. are you talking about
1: like in the second one there's a vampire in it i don't you know
0: well you to... i think the second one that's not canon as as a purist as someone who's terrified by the film i'm a purist and i only ascribe to the teachings of the first film no but now, P, Jen, because you like after your... the first
1: film they reloaded don't you remember <laughs> the clip was empty I did, and the matrix was so reloaded. By the
0: reloading, that I hid behind the couch. And what was and the third one called? Oh yeah, the they blowout. revelated
1: Is the fourth one being made? Because I feel like yeah, they're inevitably like going
0: finished. to. Is, uh, and is it being made by the Wachowskis?
1: Yes, it is. And you know, this one's going to be like really trans. This one's,
0: this one's going to be well, like... Well, I was
1: about to say, yeah, they're going like, to really gonna double have... down on all the trans stuff. Neo's going to be but... wearing like a Charlie XCX t-shirt under his leather jacket. And it's going to like... <laughs> Trinity's going to be a turf.
0: <laughs> Neo's going gonna... to be obsessed with showing everyone his before and after timeline pics on Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Now, Jen, would you like your question from my brother, John Denine? Hit me with, J- with JD's question. Jen, you said in the last episode that in the past you'd get stares when you went into your small town pub. I'm imagining the locals may have had few experiences with a trans person before. Are they generally supportive? Has their attitude changed at all since knowing someone personally? A
1: heartwarming friendship a la the film Pride? <laughs> I think... John might have unfortunately misunderstood sort of, like, what I was saying, maybe a little bit. Just just because, like, I was speaking more generally about, like, all sort of pubs in my general area. Like, like, I grew up in London, so I didn't have, like, one, like, small, like, country pub, per se, that you would go in, and then everyone would, like, drop their glass. It was more just, like, when I started transitioning, it was more just, like, anywhere I would go. You know, any mm-hmm. pub, any any place in London because it was like a different time as well you know it was it was even more so like people were like what um but the answer is like yeah like people were kind of shitty you know people would stare or say things or make fun of me behind my back and stuff like that you know and it could be pretty awkward when you're with family and stuff so yeah there, was, there wasn't really any uh there was no pride moment unfortunately the on- the only I guess the only thing close to it is like there was like one gay club in Bromley called the Star and Garter, uh, which I used to go to okay. a little bit, but it was kind of a shithole as well. So. And do you feel vindicated now that you've blossomed into such a
0: smoke show that like when you walk through your hometown and builders sort of like tip their helmets to you and sort of... Um, <laughs> they take their know, hats off of- as well. <laughs> good as hell by lizzo plays in the background as you strut
1: down catford high street that's true that does happen yeah but your brother's right like they have had probably few experiences with trans people but i mean it was only 10 years ago you know we weren't unheard of changing all that jen this is what our podcast is doing we're changing hearts and minds they play us over the radio in that pub (laughs) Here's a question for both of us. Um, I think we have to answer it individually, though. What's the greatest film ever made? And then it says, tell me, which is a bit aggressive. but, uh, But on you go first, P. What's the greatest film ever made?
0: So if we're talking objectively greatest, I think you have to think about what is a film aiming to do.
1: Oh, here and we if go. A film oh, Bicycle if... thieves or something like that. Here we go.
0: <laughs> no, if a film is aiming to tell a story in an audiovisual format oh, on its own Cinema comedy. So... I think I the greatest film ever made is Hoop Dreams.
1: Okay. Okay, P.
0: You did not expect me to come up with what is ostensibly a
1: sports movie, did you? Yeah, but you're lying, though. That's the problem, is like you're being disingenuous. I'm not, I gen- I've
0: thought about this a lot, and I genuinely think that's maybe the best film ever made, just in terms of how it's crafted, how well the story is told, and how well it works. I think Steve James' 1995 documentary, Hoop Dreams, is maybe the greatest film ever made. Or, if you want me to play to stereotype, I'm going to say the original film of West Side Story, I think okay. is also a masterpiece.
1: I, my answer's going to be very down-to-earth, you know, one f- for the people to, to get oh, on board well, with.
0: Oh, well, bloody, uh, I like uh, oh, the, 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 the saving private Ryan. What's going to be your answer? No,
1: I'm going to do two because you did oh, two. Oh, wow,
0: okay. Now all the rules are out the window. I only did two because my first answer, my first excellent answer was derided so
1: widely. No, you did two before it was even derided. You just did two. I'm going to do an oh, objective. Yeah, me your answer, I'm going to do an objective and a subjective one. So my subjective one is Ghost World. It's like my, my favorite film. I watch it whenever it's on. Um, and my, my objective one. one, the one that I think is like objectively one of the best films ever made, is Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
0: That's a great answer. Who Framed Roger Rabbit maybe is one of the best films of all time, technically, and in its storytelling, how entertaining it is. How well it yeah. yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit's a great show. Let's just nail our colours to the mast. I think it, the, the official party line on this from the Trans Lobby podcast is that Who Framed Roger Rabbit is the greatest film of all time.
1: Yeah, because firstly, uh, I won't go into all the reasons why, I won't do my full essay, but firstly, Roger rabbit himself is a great character i think a a genuinely likable but yet like loserish cartoon character right a believable cartoon character in a world that is strangely believable as well and then like you got the performances you got bob hoskins you got everyone you got christopher lloyd you got all of it's going on the mind-blowingness of that crossover of cartoons like Space Jam 2 wishes it... Space Jam 1, in fact, they wish they could live up to what Who Framed Roger Rabbit Daffy and Donald
0: have a piano duel in a nightclub. Yeah. It is suggested that Betty Boop has a romantic history with Bob Hoskins' character, who's just (laughs) like a normal guy. That movie slaps so hard. It's so good.
1: It's so good. And you
0: could kind of, I don't know, maybe it's a bit violent or there's a bit too much
1: peril. I'd say anyone over the age of like eight could enjoy that movie. I think anyone could enjoy it. I think ages zero to 99
0: once you reach 100, though, there is a Logan's Run-style cap on enjoyment of Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
1: Yep, all the MB board games get taken away from you, and so does Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You're not allowed it. There's a question here also just for you. This person uh, posted, they, they did a question for both, and they did a question just for P. And they oh, didn't just do a question. Me, they did the they, oh they, they didn't do one for me though. There's not one just for you're me. You're spoiling me, See. <laughs> so obviously you're oh, the most interesting one. So here we go, P. What would your dream role be in any play or musical, and why is it Joanne from Company? Oh my god. Is <laughs> that I thing resent it's the like... second part of that?
0: Well, it's like, look, Sondheim writes. Beautifully for women of a certain age, and I'm always endeared to sometimes writing for women of a certain age. But if I'm to pick. Sondheim role it is Mama Rose in Gypsy I'm aware Sondheim only wrote the lyrics I'm aware the score is written by Jules Stein but I would love to play Mama Rose I also think the idea of a trans Mama Rose because she's this like struggling single mom it adds this depth and tragedy to the character but if we're talking about a play similarly I think a trans Ban- Blanche Dubois would be in incredible so those are my aunt's company Jen is not, like, a big musical person like me.
1: Well, actually, I love musicals. And I've seen Company. Yeah. Not live, but uh, I've uh, seen it.
0: And and you think you'd make a good Joanne?
1: Here comes Company. See?
0: Okay. Yeah, I stand corrected.
1: Company. I have a question from the Discord for both oh, of no. them. Oh, no. Here we go. The actual piss pigs. Whilst... <laughs> Here come the piss pigs. March of the piss pigs. What are they asking? They want more feed or something. More mud, more soft. Yeah, they're snuffling around
0: for truffles at our toes. Disgusting, I hate them. Through the snorts, I can hear the question come. Whilst the podcast is mostly cinema related. Is there any music with trans references or indeed by trans artists that have inspired or empowered you or conversely offended or upset you? Nowadays I always cringe at the king's song Lola but I guess it also had a time and a place. I don't really remember an older song touching on this kind of topic. Now I have a personal attachment to the song Lola Jen did you know? But in secondary school, as a 15-year-old passing for straight, passing for cis boy, I was in a musical based around the music of the Kinks.
1: I didn't know that, and it makes me very sad to hear that.
0: (laughs) It's a bit sad. I played the school geek. um, Obviously. I was the big comic relief part. Big laughs. Got to sing Victoria in a gorgeous baritone. It was just a huge moment. The the, the highlight of the show. Krista Berg came to see it and said, "Well done" to me afterwards. That tells you all you need to know. But <laughs> the character of Lola, and I was thinking about this when I read this question. I don't know if in our version, Lola was meant to be your sort of classic problematic villainous, deceptive trans woman or if the character of Lola was meant to be a duplicitous man intentionally disguising himself as a woman in order to gain the affections of someone and trick them. I don't think that was ever made particularly clear. I mean, I went to a Catholic school that was pretty strict on all this sort of stuff. So the fact that any of this got into the musical is is pretty full on. I believe the, the, the guy who played The romantic fancy of the character of lola emailed in some of these questions so if he wants to get in touch for a future episode to shed his perspective on this i'd love to hear it but i just remember we'd be rehearsing or i'd be backstage and every time that song came on and everyone was loving the whole gender bending shtick of it i would just be sitting there quietly with a knot in my stomach knowing i am a trans woman and there's nothing i can do about it and everyone finds this bit hilarious and i just had to wait for it to pass and i'm gonna say it I think my performance suffered as a result.
1: Well, just to answer your question about Lola, like firstly, I think it's a good song, just in terms of like, it's like a, a good song that I like to hear. But in terms of like the lyrics, you know, a lot of people at the time were writing like, quote unquote, gender gender-bender-y songs and stuff. It's actually a bit of a, a meme back then. Like everyone was kind of doing it just for like a laugh, really. Um, from what I remember of the lyrics of Lola, I get the impression that Lola is some kind of transvestite and I get that the sort of thrust of the song is that like the singer is kind of like but I don't care (laughs) like the singer's is kind of like
0: yeah they do end up together in the song the singer of the song says I'm not the world's most masculine man but I know what I am and I'm glad I'm a man it's Popeye it's Popeye
1: (laughs) I am what I am Popeye
0: ghost wrote that song
1: (laughs) but um but to answer the question more generally like yeah like there is some music that I can recommend that I that I like. Firstly probably the, the most well-known one is you know I'm a big Lou Reed fan and I think Transformers like a brilliant album and Walk on the Wild Side is a genuinely like great song and there's, a, there's another one on there that's specifically about Candy Darling who's like one of my yeah. she's just one of these like people that I find super interesting. And she was like a big, um, well-known personality of the time. And I think it's common knowledge that Lou Reed and Candy sort of like had a bit of a thing. And Candy was like a known trans woman of the time. Uh, another album that I would say is quite recent, but is like really, really amazing, is uh, Against Me's um, "Transgender Dysphoria Blues." I I was gonna
0: shout that I that is a killer punk album I love that record.
1: As someone who's like wasn't really that in the know of that genre and I didn't really know much about Against Me before that album. I mean I did know a little bit about them. I, I remember following the whole thing when they came out and stuff and I did I did know who they were because you know, I was a little bit of a grunger growing up, so I'm not I wasn't completely uh unaware of Against Me. But that album is the first album I've ever heard that the lyrical content of the songs, every song on that album, speaks really, really sort of true to, like, so many of my own thoughts and experiences. Like, it's a really honest, sometimes quite difficult to listen to, sort of, like, raw expression of, like, someone who's having a kind of a really mixed up difficult time with transition. Like relationships yeah, falling agree. apart, losing friends, uh body dysmorphia, dysphoria and um like alcohol issues and just like loads of stuff. Like it's really brutal, but it's also quite it's sad, but it's also like really uplifting as well. And just and just a, even though it can be a bit of a downer, it's just such a relief to hear something that is actually by someone who is trans and isn't just, like, performing, like, a sort of, like, gender stereotype thing for an album. Well,
0: that's exactly it. I think that's why it rings so true and that's why it's so uplifting at the uplifting parts and so devastating at the devastating parts is because it's genuinely written from a trans perspective. I think that's a great shout. Another trans musician I would like to shout out, a trans masculine singer-songwriter, Mal Blum, who... Who was more non-binary and has kind of gone through a bit of a gender journey as they've been releasing records and I think you can kind of chart that through the their body of work in a way that is less to the fore but you can definitely see the seeds of it being planted throughout the earlier work and you know really interesting sort of lovely like post-punk sort of indie alternative folk vibes Yeah, Mal Bloom is great and even though we're talking about trans written stuff here I think the musical Hedwig and the Angry Inch is just a really wonderful exploration of gender generally
1: yeah I agree with that and also I would recommend uh, the rapper Mickey Blanco really really good really interesting stuff and I also really like uh, Kim Petrus, who is a trans pop star from Germany. Um, She's amazing, like legitimately amazing, like really great upbeat uh, pop music.
0: That sounds great. I've not heard of them. I'm going to check that out. That's a uh, uh, lovely
1: little jukebox we've compiled there. Yeah. And there are more as well. Like obviously there's Sophie as well. If you like the harder oh, side of Sophie, like, like yeah. Electro oh, tech, like, and Techno and EDM and IDM and all, however like whatever pretentious sort of like term you want to use for the genre like she was making some like really like out there like abrasive sounding electronic music like and I'm someone who really likes electronic and let's electronic not beat music. around
0: the bush some floor fillers as well some absolute bangers from something
1: yeah yeah like some great collaborations and stuff like that But, but for the most part like Sophie was like, just a brutal like electronic producer. Like, no one was making things that sounded like what she was doing, and that's you know such a, such a such a shame that like she died and that <laughs> I can't really say it in a, in any other way. It's it really sucks. It's really tragic what happened yeah. with her. Huge laugh. Um, I just had someone else pop into my mind as well. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> this one's gonna make me sound. I I can't not sound old saying this because they're a really kind of like recent uh group, but one hundred gecks. I don't know if you're aware of hundred gecks, but they're like a brother and sister not, sort of duo. They, I'm 30 they, years old. They're like they're like um what would you call it? Like <laughs> that weird sort of new kind of pop that's like kind of like Sophie, I guess. I think Sophie might've even produced one of their songs. But um Anyway, the sister part of 100 Gex is a trans woman as well. And they're really, really good. And she's the singer. So, yeah. Lots of recommendations lot of for trans women.
0: For the piss pigs to get their little ears
1: around there. Yeah. Also, Big Frida. Big Frida, Queen Diva. Do you have a question for me from the mailbag? Nah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, P, it feels like drag is more popular than ever. Do you feel like this has helped or hindered the trans community? And then there's another bit here that says, drag is obviously largely about the show and spectacle, but obviously being trans is an everyday way of life. It's not necessarily as glamorous, but way more real. Do you think drag helps make trans people in society more acceptable to the wider public? Or does it feed fire to idiots who think identifying as trans is an act?
0: I think there are probably extremists who use drag to prop up their gender critical arguments but i think the popularity of drag on a whole hasn't had a huge impact on the trans community positively or negatively like i would say from my point of view i've said a few times on the podcast i'm very tall i'm six foot three and i'm a girl who loves wearing makeup and i love wearing pretty clothes and Sometimes there is an insecure part of me that thinks if I go into, particularly a gay bar, which is meant to be a safe space for queer people, if I go in done up to the nines, because I'm so tall, will people, even very well-meaning people, somehow misconstrue me for being a a drag queen rather than a trans woman? And I, I know that's my own insecurity, but I suppose it speaks to the prominence and popularity of drag as an art form that I have that worry in my head. I do think that a show like RuPaul's Drag Race for all its faults has platformed some really great trans contestants who've acted as sort of spokespeople and advocates across the past few seasons. And that's a show that you know whole families watch together, families who I think would otherwise be centrist. So it's a great place to have those conversations. I know that the last UK series, there was a great discussion about being non-binary. I know in the last American series, there was a really wonderful trans male contestant. So yeah, I think tra- drag having a bigger platform means that the trans people within that community have a bigger platform. And that can only be a good thing, I suppose. What do you, you think, Jen?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would disagree with one bit. It's just that I I, I think RuPaul's Drag Race has platformed a lot of good trans people, except Gia Gunn. Uh, but other than Gia Gunn Gia Gun uh, is great. <laughs> but um, but anyway, um, yeah, I agree. Like I think the problem with the the drag thing is because it's like drag is quite an, actually quite a nebulous term. Like it's something that people think they know what it means because of drag race and stuff. But f- for people who are actually in the queer community, you have had like a night, who know what drag is. Or have experienced drag and drag performance For like a lot longer than that You know It's in the past You know drag was a good way for people to Kind of express themselves And and dabble and enter into the world Of you know trans acceptance And things like that so I I don't think it's as black and white as like Oh you know drag is good or bad Mm. For transition or, or vice versa Like I am very much A believer of like You know, we're all kind of in it together, and yeah, um, and I, I, yeah, I
0: agree with you.
1: Yeah, and and it's I, I do like the way that nowadays, like if you know, if Drag Race is going to still continue, like it, it has to shift and be more inclusive and more open about these kind of things. So,
0: well, um, exactly.
1: I mean, drag as an art form
0: has, as you were alluding to, has moved so far past playing with gender binaries that it's almost. In a lot of clubs you go to, it wouldn't even be part of what you're watching anymore. You know, there's so much more to it than that.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. So I think it's a good question. But, um, mm. yeah, it's definitely something I've thought about. But it's it's uh, over time something I've definitely softened to, you know. And and I like drag, you know, I enjoy it when I see it. But I, in all truthfulness, I don't see myself as the same. Like, like I've done gigs... I've done gigs alongside drag performers and there's certain, there's definitely a, 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 a split between us and i I'll tell you what the main difference is, is is that like they are like so much more glamorous and like so much like more effeminate than I am. <laughs> that's the crazy thing. Well it's that's like... the
0: thing, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they make me feel like frumpy when I'm up there. Like I frump up there in like my fucking Little, little fucking jumper or whatever. <laughs> you Sometimes the most gender
0: affirming thing you can feel is frumpy.
1: Yeah, that's true. Let's, yeah, we stand a frumpy queen. We stand a frumpy queen. And with that in mind, Jen, yeah,
0: from the emails, if you could steal one feature, physical or personality, from your co host, what would it be and
1: why? Oh my god, what a question. What a question. Well, the physical feature that I would definitely steal from P. Deneen is her teeth. I really like her, like, little gap in the front of her teeth. I always think if I had a little gap in the front of my teeth like that, I'd look super cool and super like like Mick Jagger's daughter. You know, I could be on, I could do, like, all the uh, lipstick adverts and stuff like that. Um, I also think P has great hair. And uh, an extremely pretty sort of like uh what do you call that area? Like like the cheekbone area. Um, in terms of her personality, absolutely none of it. I think she's an absolute scumbag. <laughs> I, want, I really wouldn't want any of her personality. She's not one of the worst. I'm people a trash I know. queen. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I I I mean, P taught me recently what, what the word dramaturg means. So, um she's actually dead smart and it would be it would be cool to to be as uh, smart as P, sometimes I feel like I don't have the words, which is, which is a shame because it's sort of like my job to have the words. But P is a very eloquent, eloquent person. Jen, I never knew you cared. I mean, I don't care. I'm, I'm moving on to the next question. question.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, don't worry. I'll answer it I No, 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 I don't so want you could... to. <laughs> I'm going to answer it. I'm going to make you blush. So, oh, if I could steal one physical feature from Jen Ives, it would, without question, be her million dollar ass. I mean, if anyone <laughs> has ever seen a full length shot of Jen or Matter in person, they all know what I'm talking about. Bitch has that fun? Hey, and I, I want earned that. Butt.
1: This, I, I earned this ass. I eat a lot of pizza, P. Got, <laughs> that's what you need to do.
0: <laughs> so do I, but it's not going to the right places. Anyway, Jen has a sensational ass, and I would fully in a heartbeat sell my voice to Ursula the sea witch if I could have Jen's ass (laughs) and in terms of personality uh being completely genuine Jen and I both work in creative industries and I feel like one of my weak points is that I um and ah a lot I think too much about projects I will spend far too long crafting sometimes a single sentence or a single scene in a script as opposed to just getting on with it and doing it and Jen has is incredibly prolific I don't if you follow her Patreon if you follow her on social media you'll know this but Jen is constantly coming out with content after content after content and the most annoying thing is it's all really good so I wish I had Jen's maybe it's the work ethic but certainly how prolific Jen is is something I'd love to um
1: love to take a bit of thank you Pete can we go back to being nasty to each other now Yeah, you fucking limey bitch. (laughs) This is a good one for you, Pete. Can you give a background into what makes a piss pig? Are there other varieties of urine forward animals?
0: No, I think if you're a piss pig, you kind of know. Like, If you listen to this podcast and there's just a mysterious part of you, maybe it's part libido, maybe it's part spiritual, maybe it's part hunger like there maybe it's part maternal you know there's just some primal instinct that triggers in you when you hear us talking when you hear us cackling at your expense you fucking little piss pig
1: yeah i feel then like if you have you, to my ask friend,
0: are a piss pig
1: if you have to ask that's the most piss piggy thing of them all isn't it
0: it really is. Yeah, you can imagine this question asker coming up to us with a hangdog expression, you know, clutching their <laughs> arm, looking at the ground and going like, hey, sorry, miss, I, I don't want to bother you, but I was just, just wondering, um, what's a piss pig and can I be a piss pig someday, maybe? And the answer is, if you're asking the question, you're already a fucking piss pig. Get back in your pen. <laughs> Jan, here's a question from the email. When you transitioned, did you buy an entirely new wardrobe or did you still feel comfortable wearing some of
1: the old stuff? Well, God, I've got to think back a long time. Um, yeah, it wasn't like a kind of, you know, a shopping day out montage of like, you know, fucking buying, on all, buying and trying on all the clothes or whatever. But, How um... much do I wish I could travel back in
0: time and be the person sitting outside the changing room during your mom's <laughs> Shaking your like head Shaking my head though, disapproving... yeah. <laughs> Until you come out in the fucking Givenchy gown and I give the double <laughs> thumbs up while um, I'm just a girl by no doubt plays in the background.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I did do is I did uh, throw away a lot of my you know, quote unquote, boys clothes, because I feel like at the time, it's like, it's like a real, it's a statement, it's, it's not so much because, I mean, you do want to, but it's, it's, it's more of a sort of, you're kind of daring yourself to do it, you know, it's, it's a way of committing to that life, you know, you say, I'm going to throw away all those clothes, and I'm going to buy clothes that I want to wear and it's like although it's not the be-all and end-all of transition and there's so many things that are more important to me than clothes when you first start you know it's one of the defining things that is like that that tell people that you know that's what you're going for right so yeah like I did throw away a lot of my clothes the irony of it is like now I would actually kind of like some of those old hoodies and stuff back because i would still you know now that my body has changed i would probably wear them right but back then you want to do everything that you can to uh to give yourself the best fighting chance of passing and, and that means dressing in a particularly feminine way um i can't uh, the only thing i'll tell you one thing that i remember is that like i i i didn't dress well you know it was uh i don't think that's unique to me but I um,
0: it takes I, a while to find your style I
1: think. yeah it take oh that rhymes as well it takes a while to find your style you're like we're like Trini and Susanna over here we're like the we're like Trani and
0: Susanna over here yeah good one <laughs> it was a very bad one but it was an open goal and I had to take the opportunity so that was our assigned email at birth episode. I feel like I learned a lot about Jen. I hope she learned a little about me. I hope our listeners learned a little more about us collectively. We'd like to thank
1: everyone who submitted a question. Those people were Pat on Discord, Oni on Discord, Niamh on email, Steglix, uh Jeremy, John, we know who that is, and uh, Alistair. So yeah, thanks for doing that. I'm sorry if we didn't Read out your question. Uh, it was just shit. No, I'm joking. Uh, it's just because we ran out of time. But we are gonna answer all of the questions uh, after the end of the podcast next week. So we're not gonna forget. Yeah, any we're of
0: definitely you. we are definitely going to carry over the remainder of the questions to next week because there's some really interesting stuff we didn't answer. And I'd encourage anyone else listening to this to send another question if you enjoyed that episode because we want to make the email feature a bit more of a part of the show. If you're not in the Discord, email us and we can give you the invite. I might put a new invite up on the Twitter, so keep an eye on that. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at TransLobbyPod. You can find me at Pdinny, P like vegetable, D-I-N-N-Y. Our email is TransLobbyPod at gmail.com.
1: Jen, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jen Ives Comedian, or you can go on my website, jenives.net, or my Patreon, patreon.com slash jenives. Um, and yeah, we've read really Jen! Do- oh,
0: a little birdie tells me you might have a, a certain run of shows in a certain Scottish city to plug.
1: Maybe I might be doing Edinburgh this year. Inexplicably, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Pretty crazy. Um, I will tell you that. I just I, this, this is the segment where I open my diary and look through it from Saturday, the fourteenth of August through to the 17th of august it's four days i will be performing my show peak trans uh at the gilded balloon the dining room i think it's at four thirty, but i'll have to double check that but anyway you can look it up yourself and i've heard a preview of that
0: show and it's already great so i can't imagine how brilliant the finished article is going to be Thanks. i'd also like to reiterate that we're still looking into getting badges sorted out for Piss Pig of the Week. That is not something we're forgetting about. We're going to do it, and everyone who's been a Piss Pig of the Week in the past can assure themselves you will receive a badge at some stage. Hey, P, who's the Piss Pig of this week? I'm so glad you asked. The Piss Pig of the Week this week is Oni from the Piss Pig Pen, the Discord, for
1: asking our favourite question of the week. Because it was like really about us. It was like a really sort of ego. We're egomaniacs, is yeah. what we're getting at. Yeah,
0: just feed our egos, and you will—you'll get badges, is what we're saying here.
1: So, only send us a DM or whatever with your address, and we'll get you some stickers or whatever sent out. Okay, and the the other For ones, sure. uh, the other piss pigs will also need to do that because as to my knowledge we haven't received that yet so i'm not gonna start once they're available and we'll hunt down your they can become they can become available so easily it's not hard i just need to like do it and but we need the addresses so
0: and don't worry next week we will be returning with a full standard episode review of another one of your favorite trans films what's the film you'll just have to wait and see and find out on the next Fans of the podcast.
1: Yay.
0: Bye, guys. Yay. Bye. Bye. Bye.